Welcome to Feminine Fitness, a podcast for women that want to make simple shifts in their fitness and nutrition that make a big difference. I'm your host, Joelle, and I've been a health and fitness coach for over a decade. I teach women how to look and feel vibrant every day with workouts, food, and mindset changes that support feminine hormone cycles. Each episode, I will give simple tips that are easy to implement that align your goals with cycle syncing. If you feel like achieving your health and fitness goals is always a fight against your body, I want to help you stop the struggle and work with your body. I'm so glad you're here and welcome to today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to today's episode and it is another Fit Friends. A frit friends, fit friends edition. I have my bestie Lauren Ricks on here today. Hey, Lauren. Hey, I'm back again. Back again, and we're excited about it. I'm glad that you guys love listening to Lauren and I talk because we like talking to each other. So this is really, really great for us. And today on the podcast, we're going to be just doing a little life catch up, talking about some mom things. And then we are going to be talking about postpartum. We're going to talk about, you know, kind of where our mindsets and our experience was with our first postpartum experience our second postpartum experience. And then we're going to round it out with wisdom that we would just like to share with you ladies. Maybe if you have been through a postpartum experience, you haven't yet gone through a postpartum experience, just really take this episode as this is us sharing our experience and our stories, but also just hoping that we share some insights on um, what, what we would do differently if we had the option to go back in time, but no, do what's right you okay so hey lauren hey how's it going you have had a week this week and it's only tuesday Tuesday. (laughs) big life happenings why don't you talk okay so if you guys don't follow me on instagram you should go follow me but anyways i was talking about this week my kids started at daycare And if you know, we recently, not even recently, I mean, it's been eight months since we moved to Utah. So it took me eight months to find a daycare, which I feel like is hard when you're starting a new state to find something, you know, like I had, I didn't know anybody. It was hard to find recommendations for like places that people trusted that you could trust. Right. So long story short, my kids started at daycare yesterday and it went great. Drop off yesterday was ex- what I kind of expected it to be. They did really awesome during school. This morning was a little bit different for my four and a half year old. Um, so <laughs> I don't know if you want to, I mean, me and Joel have already talked about that, but um, it was just rough. And when we did talk about it, it was made so much sense because we were, it's Dr. Seuss day today, I guess, apparently I had no idea that that's a thing. And they were celebrating it with pajamas and somehow Grayson got convinced that he needed to wear green jammies today. Otherwise he was going to get pinched like St. Patrick's day 
You guys remember that? Like, if you don't wear green on St. Patrick's Day, you're going to get pinched. That is the so, worst. I know. When you said that to me, I'm like, is that a thing? Teachers, could you just stop? Can we just stop that in its tracks? Like, why has this made it so many generations when it is, like, do teachers really want the kids going around pinching each other anyways? No. Like, know. where, why does this keep getting seeped into the minds of the right little humans but basically you're saying that so Grayson's first day of daycare must have had intense hype up for March 2nd being a special day and and as we yeah as we were talking about this it was kind of like we remember those theme days of being kids and hating them and not liking them either so for sure for sure and I think his word like his words that were said yesterday got mixed up because it didn't make sense like why would he need to wear green jammies on Dr. Seuss day and then when he said the pinching thing I was like oh St. Patrick's Day and then after talking to you about it I was like oh no wonder he didn't want to go to school I wouldn't want to go to school either if that's what I thought was going to happen because I'm not wearing pink or I'm not wearing green jammies like yeah so long story short, it was a rough morning to get to school, but I'm sure he's fine now that he saw that not everybody's wearing green jammies. <laughs> yeah, and the funny thing was, you guys, like, I totally became Lauren in this situation. <laughs> Lauren was me, and I was Lauren, because Lauren was like, okay, I need to talk to, which I do think like seeking wisdom from others is good, but she's like, I'm just going to talk to my mom to see if I can do anything different or, you know, get, get advice from what she suggests with what she's experienced. Cause your mom's amazing, right? Like we all want Sherry's advice. We do. We really, really do. But I came at Lauren and I was like, well, if it makes you feel any better, we buckled both of my kids in their seats today and they were not happy about it. Like my kids too today just were not ready to, they didn't want to get in the car to go to daycare and it was time to go. And I knew like, if I, if I told my husband, like, go ahead, um, I'll do this on my own that I would have been an hour later and I had an appointment to be at this morning. So I was like, we have to get going right now and so I kind of just had to come at them with the sense of like you're not happy with getting into the car right in this moment and I understand that and acknowledge that but it's time to get not even but but like it's time to get in, in the car and go and I had told Lauren like yeah ideally as parents we would love for our kids to every day we'll willingly get into their car seat get buckled up get their shoes on with the joyful attitude to get going for the day but that's not realistic but i i get it totally because like they're starting a new place and you have this like not like profound um confidence in it yet of like you love this place. Like you, you love going there and right. every kid is going to have those days where it's like, they don't want to get up out of bed to go to school. They don't want to, um, get in the car seat or they, Bryce told me the other day, he was adamant on wearing, he's adamant on wearing tennis shoes these days. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, the snow is melting and it's about to melt in like, super fast timing this week. I'm like, you have to bring your boots. And he goes, mom, I'm so tired of boots. <laughs> I'm like, 
me too, buddy. Me too. Like I'm tired of my winter jacket. I'm tired of boots and all this stuff. But really like, it was funny because as I was voice memoing Laura and I was the one who was like, is, is this an event or is this a habit? Like, don't, don't think you need to do anything different. Don't think that he, he's having a wrong experience for not wanting to go today. Just know you did the best with what the situation was. You don't have, you, you don't have to chalk it up. You don't have to, you don't have to go down the rabbit hole of what routine should I get into to make this a smoother transition? It's like when we got talking about it, it's like, yeah, sounds like yesterday was, and I am one, we had talked about this too, where if people are like, oh my gosh, you need to go to this party. It's going to be so fun. And this is going to happen. And that's going to happen. And this is going to happen. I don't get hyped up. I kind of become more of a skeptic or I don't want to go because it sounds so new and foreign and uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. I was like, I kind of understand Grayson's situation. Right. And I think a couple things like this is why one, <laughs> I cherish our friendship so much because it was able to be like, oh my gosh, one, your kids, you had to put them into the car like that. I'm not the only mom who had to do that. Because sometimes I think as moms, we think like, not our kids are the only thing, but when you're in the mist, you're like, oh, I can't believe I have to do this. I can't believe my kid is throwing a temper tantrum about going to school. Like he's probably the only one. And now like when I look at it and step back, I'm like, he's not the only kid that does that, you know, but being able to tell you about that and then be having you be able to be like, Grace, it's okay. It's like just an event. We don't have to try and fix everything because I'm a fixer. Like I want to go in and be like, Oh, I need to figure out what's wrong. I need to figure out how I can fix it. I need, and that's something like I've been working on and my own growth is just not being able, like not, that's not the right word. Like being able to just step back and be like, I don't have to fix everything. It doesn't have to be fixed. It's just an event. Yeah. 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 So there, there was that my kids too, were just kind of hilarious today. And I feel like this rolls completely into talking about our first, our first experiences with postpartum. And and we were lucky enough to go through these together. Lauren's oldest is two months older than my oldest, right? So we really went through the postpartum experience at the same time. Uh, But I have a whole podcast episode on my postpartum experience with Bryce in regards to silent reflux, depression, and anxiety. So I won't cover a whole lot of that today because I'll link that in the show notes. If any of you ladies are feeling even postpartum psychosis, maybe I'll go into that a little bit today, but feeling like just so not yourself and down and hypersensitive or hyper anxious know that postpartum depression and anxiety is so real and to seek out whatever support and help that you need um because i i went through that i'll link that podcast episode but i think just an, an overarching theme in my first experience postpartum was um I really put a ton of pressure on myself because I wanted to get back. I I wanted to get back into working out because I was on bed rest for so long, like not in the sense necessarily of wanting my body to bounce back, but my sanity. Like I really wanted 
to start lifting weights again. I wanted to get back to who I was before kids instead of accepting I'm now a whole new woman after childbirth. Like after having my first, I was a completely new person and I should have navigated life that way. I wanted to go back to building my business how I was before kids. I wanted to go back to my routines and my day and and my freedom really. But when you have a baby and then postpartum depression and anxiety and a lot of pressure that I was putting on myself, like the postpartum experience for Bryce and I in the first, I would, I would 100% say 18 months. I was I was not enjoying motherhood because I was in that mindset that Lauren was talking about of like fixing everything because he came out of the womb and for two weeks we had two weeks of peace but then silent reflux started and that was something I tried to obsessively try to fix then my own personal postpartum depression anxiety some thoughts feelings of like postpartum psychosis was happening so I was trying to fix me. And then we were like building a house on top of that and, and moving and um, things within business was, was shifting. And I wasn't able to be available for calls and, and team stuff and creation. So I felt like I was failing in that area. So for me, in a nutshell, um, I was super hard on myself. I mean, I got my six week clearance to work out and I started like an intense kickboxing program. Not suggest. We'll kind of go at the end of what we would suggest going into it, but that was, mine was a really heavy experience. And I think it's okay for me to look at now and, and honor and respect, like that was my experience and that's okay but that wasn't like Lauren's experience at all. So why don't you talk about postpartum with Grayson? Well, after hearing your postpartum journey after Bryce, like mine was, I don't want to say a breeze because it's different, but for me, it wasn't that, I don't, it wasn't a huge transition going from no kids to one kid. Um, and hold on. Um, And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it was because I just kind of like still went right into, I basically like fit Grayson into what my life was like before Grayson. Like when he napped, he would nap sometimes on me, probably for like the first six months of his life, he napped on me and I would work for those couple hours. Um, It was just like, I, I felt like I couldn't miss a beat, if that makes sense. And I think that's just how we in society, we see like when you have a baby, it's like you get right back to it. And for me, that's what I thought. And same with my body. Like it just kind of like, I don't know. It went back to normal, right? Like I just didn't, my postpartum journey after Grayson was really awesome. Yeah. And and it's it's totally okay for you to say that. Yeah. Right. And, but I, but it's like, we were still like I was still there with you to see yours. And I think that's like where our relationship probably gotten really stronger was there because we were both going through it together, but so different. And we were able to give each other grace for that. Um, But yeah, it was, that wasn't the hardest part for me. I feel like 
going from zero to one. Now going from one to two was right. Right. And we'll talk about that here in a second. And first I'll just say like, you totally like rolled into motherhood role so naturally. And the funny thing is, is I thought I was going to too. Um, but yeah, like you, you definitely had that more vibe of like Grayson was with you in your working. Whereas I, for some reason felt like it needed to be separate, but then also like, I remember, and it was hard for me for a while to hear like, oh, I just, I get so much joy just looking at him and oh, the sweet baby snuggles. When our reality with a newborn was so hard and I was just like, well, good for you guys. Like, I'm so glad that that's how, and not even just you, but like I added myself to all the mommy groups and stuff with the first. And I just remember thinking like at the moment it was hard and I was like, why can't I ease into motherhood like that? How come I am not delighting in the newborn stage with Bryce? Um, and, and that's totally okay. Like it's, it's okay to have either experience. And just because I had my, that experience with Bryce doesn't mean it affected my experience with Jace, which we'll talk about. But what I do want you to talk about is kind of how you, um, became very disciplined in your workouts, specifically 80 day obsession. So how old, cause you guys, Lauren, Lauren's body after Grayson at about, I don't even know how old he was at that time. That was maybe closer to two, wasn't it? He was one and a half, I think, when 80 Day Obsession came out. And the funny thing is, I remember early on in my like pregnancy and even before I had Grayson, like Joelle's always been a morning person, like get up, do your workout. And I just always remember her telling me like, you should just get up and get your workout in right away. It'd be so much easier. Yeah. yeah. And I'd be like, no way. Yeah. No way. I am an afternoon worker outer. And even all the way into having Grayson, I would work out whether he was awake and I would put him and it's funny, a memory popped up like a picture of popped up of this, like a couple of days ago of him in the pack and play down in our basement and me working out. And it was like, does anyone else put their kids in a pack and play, play jail so they can get anything done? Like that's, I did my workouts with him awake for so much of my postpartum journey. And then we had a huge life transition where my husband got a job in a town two hours away from me. So he was gone during the week and home on the weekends. And I went, basically went from, from like having that support during the day or not during the day, but like in the evenings to I don't want to say being a single parent because I wasn't, but kind of during the week. And then 80 day obsession came out and I was like, I'm going to make this happen. And I went from doing workouts at like 10, 11 o'clock in the, in the afternoon, in the morning, late morning to getting up at five in the morning to get my workouts done before Grayson woke up. That was huge for me, huge for me. And a lot of the times he still woke up like, I mean, it wasn't perfect, but he would wake up and he was at that age where like, I see it in Parker where it's hard. She's at that hard age, that year and a half where 
it's hard to get a workout in with them awake because they're at your feet or they want to be held or they want you to play with them. And it's a lot harder. And that's where I was with Grayson, where I was like, if I want to get this hour workout in, like I'm laughing at myself for thinking I could do an hour workout with a kid. Um, I had to get it done before he woke up so I could be with him since my husband, I had no other break with my husband gone during the week. And that was when my body was in the best shape. Like when I look back at those pictures, I'm like, dang, I was in the best shape for multiple reasons. My workouts were double as long, right? I mean, my workouts are a half hour now versus an hour. I also think it contributed a lot to not having to plan my meals around my husband. Like I could eat in food prep and eat when I wanted to eat, eat the meals I wanted to eat to stay on track where now it's kind of like one, my kids are older. So it's hard to be like, okay, well I need to kind of semi make something that they're going to eat. Otherwise you end up, they're not eating or they just have a sandwich or something, which is fine. But it's just way easier when you just have to plan for yourself. So that was kind of like, I guess a year and a half into my first postpartum journey, but crazy. So that's interesting and something I feel like I want to hit home here a few things because I do have a podcast episode on like how to work out time-wise with littles. And we did kind of reiterate this on like when they're in the age of like three months to six months, they're not really moving around much yet, not really mobile. We worked out when they were awake. Right. Yep. Um, And then as they got older and more wiggly, we did things like the jumper, the pack and play, or getting it in during their morning nap, right? right? And then when they're older, older, transitioning to, you know, when they're sleeping through the night, um, transitioning to like waking up a little bit before them to get in a workout or some me time before they wake up. Right. And I do want to note, I thought your 80 day obsession journey was earlier than Grayson being like a year and a half. So uh, that's what I want to reiterate is my body postpartum with Bryce, when I stepped on the scale, it bounced back to the, the number on the scale the first time. But my body composition was so different because of being on bed rest, um, pregnancy in general, short torso and whatnot. So it took me it was after shift shop at summit summit. Cause I had you take my before pictures at summit and you were like, Joelle, you were being way hard on yourself. Like your body looks really good for having a one-year-old. And then I came home and did shift shop and I felt so good about how that was like helping my body change. But Bryce was like a year postpartum at that time. So I know that so many of us want like the bounce back of like three months and you're fitting back in your pants or like it just give yourself more time and grace. Can I say something on that? Because I feel like when I went into, when I was pregnant still and going into like newly postpartum, I thought that too, like I'm going to bounce back. Right. And I think this is, you know, last time when we talked about this whole weight thing about being postpartum and how I'm like 20 pounds heavier than I was when I first had, like before I got pregnant with Grayson. Right. And I think this is where, now that we're talking about this, it just hit me like where I started to have that 
shift of like, I don't know what the right word would be. When the scale, when you weigh less, that means you're more fit. Because Mm -hmm. when I was my fittest in that 80 day obsession group, right? I was still, for some reason, I want to say I was like 160, not that weight, like the number matters, but going into being pregnant with Grayson, I was like 150, 155 on the higher end. My fittest, I was 165 and I was like lean and I was fit. So that goes to show you that my bounce back wasn't even a, my, it was a bounce up (laughs) really. And I think that's where that shift happened for me when I physically could see it in my own journey. Like, oh, dang, I am fit now, but I'm still 10 pounds heavier than I was before I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's so true. That reiterates our last episode where we had talked about me associating a smaller number with a fitter composition and size. And I literally had, I still think about it, that my mind is blown. Like my mind is still blown at the blown at the fact that like I can accept my weight right now for exactly what it is and just focus on other elements of, you know, measurements. And we're going to have a podcast episode of, you know, how can you gauge progress if you're not using the scale? Right. Um, but yeah, that's so interesting that that was really the thought process because for me, with the bounce back, I was, you know, looking at it from the aspect of like, okay, I'm at the pre-baby weight, I bounce back. And now you had that experience of like, I'm not at that weight, but dang, look at my abs and my arms and everything. Um, which, which is amazing. And, and even to hear you say now, like that was the fittest of, you've ever been like, I know you. And I'm like, I know you're like coming back even, even stronger and even better without having to do hour long workouts and be diligent with food and everything. But that's, that's really the, the roundabout of the first experiences for us. For me, the second experience going from one kids to two kids was easier for me. When Jace came into our life, it felt easier. My parenting with Bryce, I became a lot more peaceful. Jace was like the, a newborn that was very go with the flow. I made sure that I was going to have moments with him that I, I rushed through with Bryce, meaning I was going to cuddle him while he slept. Like I didn't have to put him down as soon as he fell asleep. Um, I was going to just have time to smell him. I was going to like, he was going to go come at it with like more grace and relax. And also I didn't have to do bed rest with Jace, but I wasn't really doing formal workouts throughout his pregnancy. So once I did get the six week clearance to work out, I took a different approach knowing that um, I wanted to focus on strength training and doing what I loved instead of what I thought, you know, what was new in the company. Cause when Bryce was born, that kickboxing program was the newest. I really went to like, what will be best for my body in this season? And I went into lift four, which was, a, is a four day a week 
lifting program. It has some hit elements to it, but you can modify both the hit and the abdominal work to work for postpartum. And I think I actually still stand by lift four as a great postpartum program because of its slow pace, because of its flexibleness. Um, I will say too, on that, that was the program I did most of my pregnancy with Parker and I just didn't do the core stuff. Obviously I didn't lift as heavy as I could, but that's a program I suggest to like a lot of my pregnant clients because it's, you can still do the lifting. You just can modify it. It's such a good program to do. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And it's one that definitely gives energy. It's one that doesn't make you feel like drained and tired and depleted. It feels very empowering to lift weights. And so my second postpartum experience with Jace, as far as like him coming into the world was just much lighter because I didn't put a ton of pressures on myself. Like I didn't put the pressure on myself to expect to nurse him or expect myself to not or have postpartum depression and anxiety. And also I was like, if he is a reflux baby, we're going to get on medication instead of trying to do a ton of homeopathic stuff and try this and try that and buy this and buy that. Um, I outsourced a handful of stuff during Jace's postpartum. And I know that sounds fancy, but I just did some simple things like getting the meal kits at Costco, like the ones you get in the um, kind of bakery (laughs) section. That's okay. (laughs) Um, And then when I got some power plate meals, which is like a local food prep company, I just was like, I want just minute things being easy. This is kind of the time where I started doing grocery pickup instead of me going into the grocery store. So I did try to think ahead of time of like, what are some of the easier choices I can make on what I'm doing? Um, But I feel like a lot of my postpartum experience the second time was because Jace was such a relaxed baby. Like he, he was pretty relaxed. He slept fairly good. I mean, for newborn situation, he had like the typical sleep schedule was never up like all night. I mean, he had nights where he woke up more frequently, but, um, I rolled into it all with grace. But as you guys know, I became so fixated on the scale. Like I remember, um, weighing myself and seeing like this plateau at like 140 something. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm still 20 pounds heavier. And, really just thought I was battling that for so long when really if I would have just shifted my focus to not being on the dang scale, I probably would have enjoyed the one to two year age of his life so much better. But then in the same breath, that journey is what caused me to go down the the cycle sinking route that I'm in now. So I really am bringing awareness to like everything that I have gone through has been for a reason, even though, especially in Bryce's, my first postpartum experience was so hard. I now am seeing how it is playing out for my life. You know what I mean? Because I even... So after Jace and having those experiences with Jace and cuddling Jace, I realized I had to heal a lot of my emotional 
shame and regret that I had on my first experience with Bryce. It was like, well, I didn't hold Bryce like this. I didn't nurture him like this. I didn't give him grace. Like I'm giving Jace, like, yeah, babies cry and babies and toddlers throw tantrums. Like I took everything that Bryce did so seriously. And like, I had to fix it. But then it was kind of like one of the chats that we had where you had said to me, Lauren, you know, now is the time where you get to do that healing. And, and right after you said that Bryce went through this like little phase where he liked pretending being baby Bryce. And I mean, he was like three and a half. How old is he now? No, he was like four and he was going through this. I'm baby Bryce. I'm baby Bryce. And he would grab his blanket and I'd literally treat him like a baby. I would hold him like a baby. I'd rock him like a baby. And it was kind of just my own emotional healing of like, I, I'm, I maybe didn't do this when he was really a baby because a lot of times I held him so much when he cried and cried and cried that when he did fall asleep, I did want to put him down. And when I did hold him, he was crying. And so I did, um, because of Jace's experience, it was awareness of what I needed to heal emotionally for me. And it was just, it was just cool that it was like, okay, he's four years old and I can just, whether I'm just doing this for me or if it is just in any sense healing for him, we can move forward and I can rewrite the mom that I want to be. Because when I started recognizing that I was seeing all of Bryce's tantrums, all of Bryce, all of Bryce's sensory stuff, all of Bryce's reflux as like these problems that I needed to fix for him. I started driving myself literally crazy and, and like shame and guilt and frustration and stress, which means more cortisol, which means your hormones are going to be out of whack, which means you're going to hang on to weight. Like all of that, that stress was so, um, eye-opening of like, I don't have to fix every time Bryce doesn't want to get in his car seat. I don't have to fix every time, um, he would throw intense tantrums. Like the, the, it's a phase that they will go through and it's not a sign that he's going to become an adult that just lashes out aggressively on a, like without any warning, you know, because, and I know that to be true now because he is probably one of the most mellow, not necessarily mellow four and a half year olds, but he, he's very wise and understanding and not as re like, I don't know how to just explain it, but I just remember worrying so much about tantrums and, and crying and behavioral stuff. And now I'm like, well, and I think it's I think it's crazy when you're like a new mom and you hear all these things of like, don't let them cry or let them cry it out or they shouldn't be throwing tantrum tantrum temper tantrums or they shouldn't get everything they want. Like we hear we hear all these things as we're new parents, right? And I think sometimes we get so caught up in them instead of just being like, one, they're kids. They're little, they don't know yet. They're working through emotions and it's normal. And I think that's why it's so important to have like a friendship like we have, or just that support to have somebody else be like, it's normal. Like today, you telling me it's normal for that to happen sometimes, because sometimes we, we get into this idea of like, it's not normal because it's not what we see on social media. We don't see 
the, the struggle of raising a three-year-old or a two-year-old or feeling like every day there is a tantrum. Like, I feel like we had so many text messages back and forth when they were like in their twos of like, we've had like five, five meltdowns today over something stupid. And like, now we can look back at it and laugh and be like, they were being kids. And that doesn't mean that they're going to grow up into be adults that are throwing temper tantrums. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So why don't you talk about when Parker came into the world? Parker came into the world fast and furious, my friends. <laughs> she came in fast and furious. Um, and I will say it was hard for me to go from one to two. And I don't know if it was like, it was because I wasn't getting a lot of sleep, probably when I look back on it, because she had like, uh, I don't even know what it would be. She spit up a lot and she almost like gagged when I would lay her down. Like I would nurse her and then I would lay her down in the middle of the night and she would kind of have like this gagging reflex a little bit. And we, I mean, we, we looked into like a lactation consultant and she said, Oh, everything looked fine because she's gaining weight and she's eating food and whatnot. But when I would, in the nights I would not get sleep. She was either sleeping on me because that was the only way she would sleep without gagging or she would be sleeping in her, like her bassinet next to her bed. And I wouldn't sleep. I would literally sleep with my hand on her because I was so afraid of her like choking, right. Choking on her throw up or whatever. She would like spit up and like whatever. So eventually we figured out that she had a, a tongue tie that she got released and that slowly helped over time. But as we got that done, I didn't push bottles <laughs> at all. And I think she just got so used to nursing that she refused to take a bottle, refused. We tried everything, all the different bottles, different people feeding her, Nick trying to feed her through crying. Like it was, we tried everything. Cause I was like, I literally didn't get more than a two hour break from her ever. And I think now like when I brought her to daycare yesterday, I was like, I haven't had a day away from Parker for more than like, now it's different because she's not nursing, but it was an eight hour day yesterday away from her. And I haven't had that in her 18 months of being alive. And I know it was because for 14 of those I nursed and she didn't want a bottle at all. Like she just refused. Yeah. And- COVID situation happened and you're like, well, we're not going anywhere anyways. Nobody else is seeing you. So have at it. Like, yeah. Well, and that made me too not be able to feel like I could bring her to daycare. Um, so she just stayed home with me and I didn't get a lot of that self-care that's time by myself. It was literally all constantly mom mode. Cause I never really got those breaks. Cause it was like, Oh, I could go two hours to go to the grocery store. And then I had to come back cause I had to feed Parker or she was crying. So I had to, you know, it's just, and it's so different than what it was with Grayson. Cause he would take a bottle. He would, anybody could feed him and it was fine. And I nursed him too. Like we did both. And I always thought like, Oh, it like, I would never have this happen. And with her, it was just like, she did not want a bottle refused. And that was mentally exhausting. Like the physical, I feel like our day to day wasn't as exhausting because I was home with her. So it wasn't a huge deal, but mentally exhausting, never getting that, that break that was more than two or three hours was exhausting for me mentally. And I remember a situation 
that you had that was really hard for you. And I mean, I totally understand when you were like nursing Parker and having to really make sure she stayed upright after feeding her. And then Grayson being like a, a very highly communicative three-year-old and saying like, mom, I want you to do this for me, mom, I need you. And you being like in this position of like, buddy, I can't like I, you needing to feel like you're split. Whereas when I had Jace, Bryce was, a, he was old, wasn't even two yet. And he wasn't communicating his needs in an articulated way yet that I feel like when Bryce or Jace came into our lives, Bryce just, I feel like he was so young that it was easy for his brain to be like, I've always had a brother, you right. know, and Jace was also the type of baby where I could feed him with a bottle and like put him down at when he was done eating and then like attend to Bryce. Right. And so I remember that being a really hard thing. And I, I remember thinking like, that is hard. That's really hard when you have other kids, if not one or more saying, mom, can you do this for me? Can you do this for me? And you're like nursing or feeding the baby. And you're like, um, you have to wait. And of course we know two, three-year-old, four-year-olds, their nature isn't, okay, I'll wait for you. It's fine. Their nature is not that. It's like, I want what I want right now. Right. So I understand why that was so hard. Right. I feel like, yeah, because Grayson had just turned three and I wish somebody would have said, because I thought like, oh, he's going to be three and it will be a lot easier. And threes, two and a half to like three and a half, to almost four for Grayson was hard for us just because like Joel said, he was very, he could talk very well. So not that he always knew what he was saying, but he could like tell us what he wanted and or other things. So it was like, it was easy and it was hard in the sense where it was like me trying to balance. I'm feeding your sister right now. I know you need me. I'll be there in a second or you come and cuddle. And there's, I mean, I have so many pictures of like, me sitting on a rocking chair with Parker on my boob and Grayson on my hip because both of them needed me. Like I, I remember a specific night too, when Grayson did not want anything to do with Nick. It was time for bed and I had to feed Parker and I was feeding Parker to bed and Grayson was sobbing, crying. And I was sitting in, I think I even was crying because I was sitting in his chair and I was just so exhausted. Like it brings me to tears thinking about, it. I was so exhausted because both kids were just in the stage that they just needed me. And I don't know why I'm crying about that now. And it's probably because they're at daycare now. And I'm like, oh, I brought them to daycare and now they don't need me as much. But I just remember like I was hugging him on my one shoulder and I was feeding Parker on my other side. And it was just like, I was just laying in the chair and I was so exhausted and so tired and crying. And like Nick had taken a picture and I was like, this is the heart of motherhood. And um, it's not something we talk about, but it's, it's, I don't want to say normal, but it's there and it happens for all of us, you know? So oh, who thought I was going to get emotional today? <laughs> I started getting choked up and I like reined it back in, but no, I totally get that and understand that. And I think that's something to talk about. I think you gave a great tip too on if any ladies are in that stage of having a newborn and other kids who are wanting things from you, just saying like, okay, you can wait till I'm done or come, come sit and cuddle with us. Right. You know, like you kind of kept that inclusivity because I know there's like the Pinterest stuff where it's like, create a nursing box for them. Which to we did. <laughs> and like, 
in theory, that's great. Did it work sometimes? Maybe. Did it work? Like, was it your miracle thing? No, because the a smart little three and three year old can sniff that out from a mile away. <laughs> like, yeah. you want me to do that? I'm not going to do that. Right. right. Yeah, um, we spent a lot of time snuggling on the chair. And that was usually maybe when he was watching a show, like I would just be like, okay, we'll watch a show while I feed Parker. And then when I'm done feeding Parker, we'll shut the show off and we'll go do something else. And I think, you know, as hard as it was, we also just kept on with our routine. Like it was before COVID actually, we were able to still get out and we went and did things with Grayson. So it wasn't like he was bottled up inside all the time. Like I made sure we still had play dates. We went and did like parks and museums and stuff because I knew he still needed to get out and Parker just kind of came along with us um and that was easier as she got older and her throwing up situation cleared but those early days were exhausting yeah Yeah, absolutely talk a little bit about like your body nutrition journey postpartum with Parker it was so hard (laughs) I literally went into like sugar was my best friend. I think, I think it was because I was so exhausted that I was just, I was reaching for things like sugar that gave me that little bit of boost caffeine. Um, and my body did not bounce back at all. It's taken a lot longer and it's still like, I wouldn't, it's in a totally different place, obviously, cause I've birthed two babies, um, that it was, you know, before Grayson, but it's taken me a lot longer to get my nutrition. I don't want to say in check, but in a place that feels better than it was when she was so little. And I think, like I said, it was, I was emotionally stressed. So I was going, I was reaching towards food always. Like it was sugar, sweets. Um, that was, that was probably my kryptonite was sugar for sure. Yeah, and I think we kind of, we chatted on this when we were talking about um, the kids going to daycare and making some nutritional changes. And I was like, do you remember a year ago, I told you, like, I just could not get my nutrition in check because I constantly felt like, and this was before my kids going to daycare in a routinely way of your, when you're constantly getting your kids breakfast after breakfast snack lunch after after lunch snack <laughs> like you fe- you're feeding your kids so many meals and you're you're thinking about packing snacks if you're going somewhere and you're thinking about this and you're thinking about that or if you're like I have the opportunity to eat right now and I have no idea how to eat I mean I know for sure when Bryce would have intense temper tantrums I would go into the pantry and find me some sugar and chocolate too just because I felt like it was like, okay, this will help calm me down a little bit too. Or, you know, the kids are in bed. Now I can have my little treat or whatever. So I feel like it's, it's totally okay. And if any moms are going through this now, like you don't have to get your ish together right now, if it, if you don't want to. And I think it's funny because I remember thinking, And I don't know if this was like before Grayson or while I had Grayson thinking like, I don't understand how moms say they just eat off their kids' plate. (laughs) Like, I don't understand that. What do you mean you're having issues eating off your kids' plate? What? Just don't do it. Like, I just remember thinking like, how is that a problem? Now I get it. I get that. It's like, 
leftovers or, you know, I'm just grabbing some, a handful of their Cheetos or their whatever they're eating and just having like a handful of it and really not thinking anything of it. But that every single day just adds up. And I mean, it's fine. It's totally fine. Um, but it's just funny how I totally didn't think that was a thing that I would struggle with. And now it, it is a thing that I used to struggle with. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it, it does, it takes a lot of consistency and willpower and conscious effort to when you are kid, home with your kids all the time, you're the one doing the snacks every single meal to be aware of what is going into your own mouth, because there's a lot of stimulation for stay at home moms. Like when your kids are with you all the time, there's so much stimulation going on. Even if you don't have electronics on, it's just like, mom, 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 this, 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 I want my apple cup this way. I didn't want it that way. Like give me a different one. And it's just, it's a lot of thought process simulation. And it, and it makes sense that your brain is like, give me sugar because it wants that quick, that quick glucose, that quick response, that quick energy to help trigger all of these decisions because our brain only gives us so much glucose. So that's why at the end of the day, moms of littles, and when, um, there's, there's so much that's on our shoulders as moms, like even to like, what outfit is this child going to wear? What outfit is that child going to wear? What the heck am I going to wear? All those decisions take glucose away from our brain. So it's no wonder you get to the end of the day and you're like, I don't ask me what I want for anything. Don't ask me what color this is because I'm not going to tell you like, you know, that's, that's so funny because I think about on the weekends when my husband's like what do you what do you want to do today and I'm like I don't know like just decide or like he'll ask me what should Parker wear I don't care you're addressing her you decide what she's gonna wear like it's the weekend I am making minimal choices other than the ones I have to make (laughs) yeah Yeah. decision fatigue is a real thing It's a real thing. And that's why like just streamlining habits in any way that you can, can totally help, can totally help with decision fatigue. But as a mom of littles with demanding um, banter going on around you 24 seven, you either got to aid that in healthy habits or just understand you're going to be completely depleted, you know? Right. Um, So let's round it out with just some advice or wisdom that we'd give to somebody who is expecting their first baby right now, because what we've kind of talked about is every experience is different and it's okay. If yours looks differently than your best friends, if you do things differently than your mom or your sister or whoever, you can do it your own way. I think the main advice health and fitness wise, and I will have a podcast on this for you postpartum ladies who want like the tactical health and fitness recommendations of what is supportive during postpartum is just because you get a six week clearance, don't go freaking balls to the walls because more stressful workouts will elevate your cortisol. If you're not sleeping good, you're not getting into full sleep recovery. You're going to send your hormones out of whack. You're going to do more harm than good. 
You really will. I know that we have been conditioned to think, oh, if I want fast changes, I need to work out really freaking hard and I need to push my body. Not in the sense of postpartum because your hormones are fluctuating and you already have a lot of stressors going on in your life when it comes to not getting a full night's sleep, not um, like adjusting to new motherhood life and whatever stressor comes along with that. In your postpartum journey, I would focus on nourishing exercise that feels right for you right? So whether that is weight training, actually slow controlled weight training can be a great stress reliever. Um, You don't have to PR or pick up your heaviest weights or progressive overload during your postpartum. And I'm talking a year, like I am not behind the, like you get a six week check and you get a, a thumbs up. No, give your body the grace of at least a year to treat yourself with kindness and care that your belly like created a human and it's not just about like getting your abs strong like you have connective tissue and organs that need to shrink and go back to place so give your body the nourishing movement that it needs to feel the effects and the endorphins from a workout but not the depletion and draining like that can serve you in another season of life those intense workouts if uh, the reason why slow controlled weightlifting can be great is because of the breathing. Like if you think of standing and doing a bicep curl with a moderate weight for you, you are inhaling and exhaling in a very like meditative state, right? Yeah. You're working your muscle fibers, but if you're not focusing on like lifting your heaviest or your max or whatever, you're putting some stress onto your muscle, but not at the extent of like elevating um, cortisol to think that there is like, like you're running from a bear. You know what I mean? Like there's a different energy around the two. Um, so I give weightlifting just because I do think it's, it's a really good for women to incorporate, but even just walking, like I know you were so good about that with postpartum with Grayson, getting outside and walking when you are postpartum ladies, like if you have a baby in April, May, June, July, August, September, like get you out, get yourself outside girlfriend for some vitamin D. Um, when it comes to food right after you give birth and this will be covered in the podcast episode, you want to focus on foods that can go through your digestive system very easily. So cooked foods, you might notice like this is the time where those raw veggies feel really hard to digest. And that's because your body just has a lot going on. So if you can really focus on smoothies, soups, stews, um, light digestible food. And, and when we think of light food, that's not necessarily a salad because sometimes a salad like can it takes a lot for your body to break that down. So I know it's a great thing to do like freezer meals before I am in full support of like baking and roasting methods when you are like newly postpartum, but really like understanding if you are in a season where you're like, I want to be diligent about my nutrition right after I have a baby. Because I know for one of my friends that worked really well, because after she had her second baby, she felt like she was out of control of everything. And she worked with a therapist and that therapist said, 
control what you can control. Like you can't control when the baby wakes up, but what you can control. And, and she took this as you can control what you eat. So she did start following a nutrition program and that felt like a sense of control for me. That would not have worked because I would have felt like that was controlling. Like I was being controlled by following something super strict. Um, and, and I just knew like, I'm going to do my best and I wanted to focus on healthy fats and proteins, but I did have those moments where I had a two-year-old freaking out and I went into the pantry and had sugar. And when I got both boys down, I wanted to like celebrate myself and make myself a little snack plate and enjoy eating it without interruptions. And I, even if like, let's say it's like, Joel, if you could go back in time and if you would have been more diligent with a diet, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't, if I had a thirst third round of postpartum, this is what I would do. I would give myself so much grace. I would literally sleep as much as I could whenever I could truly relish in like the new, new, newborn phase and then add in weight training when it felt right, as well as lots of walks outside. That is what I would totally do. Um, Nutrition wise, I probably would have done the same thing where I would just try to focus on getting some prepped, whether that's like home chef or HelloFresh or a meal delivery service and just really like helping with my meals. So I know I'm getting some kind of adequate nutrition that way. So just snacking on my kids and stuff all the time. And I would definitely not expect my body to at all bounce back in even 18 months. Like if I were to have a third, I'd be like, I'm going to just make sure I'm instilling healthy self-care habits that are nourishing for me. But I'm not going to give a crap what my body, and I was so proud of myself after having Jace. Um, It was summertime and I was probably two, three weeks postpartum and I wanted to take Bryce on just a special date, him and I. And I was like, what bathing suit am I going to wear? Because we were going to go to just a beach that's down the road or like a little ways away from us. And I was like, what swimming suit am am I going to wear? Like, I just had a baby. What the heck? And I was like, I don't give a crap. Like, I'm going to go have fun with Bryce. And I remember feeling so proud of myself. And I feel like I gave myself grace then because it was like, I just gave birth three or four weeks ago or whatever it was. Um, But that's the advice I would totally give myself if I were to go at it a third round is like, I just, I would, I wouldn't worry about it. You know, I would just try to make the best. I wouldn't take my motherhood as seriously. Um, what would you like to kind of add? Definitely giving yourself grace. And I wish I would have not so much after Grayson because I had the space to do that. But after Parker, I wish I would have worked on having more me time and self-care habits. I feel like that is one of the things I nixed right away because I was tired, but like what I talk about with my, with my clients and my girls is like, even if it's 15 minutes, waking up 15 minutes before the kids wake up to like plan your day a little bit. I even stopped doing all that. Like when Parker probably for like the first six to nine months. And I just felt super burnt out. And I feel like that was one of the conversations we had when she was little and I was like at your house in tears and it was just the, 
I haven't been taking that time to care for me. Like I was doing my workouts because I should do my workouts. Um, but I wasn't doing anything else to really care for me because I was caught up in all the to do's that I thought I needed to get done. Um, so that, and learning to love the journey. And this is so hard. I know it's so easy to hear us being like, just stop worrying, just love the journey, just love the process. But really sitting down and doing, and we could maybe have a podcast on like, I suppose Lauren kind of talked about it um, when you had her on about like the, the weight loss mindset part of it. But even just like sitting back and like thinking about the things you think you have to do and what do you really want to do? Like, what do you want your motherhood journey to look like and feel like you get to decide that nobody else gets to decide that. And I think now thinking of that and knowing that like my motherhood journey looks a lot different because I am choosing to have it look different. So that's something I would definitely suggest, like just sitting down and thinking about like, what would you in an ideal world, obviously, because kids are not perfect, but what would you love your motherhood journey to look like and start doing little things like that throughout your day that can help you get closer to that. Yeah. And I do want to reiterate what you said in your experience with Grace and the first time was like a, a bounce back doesn't have to mean getting back to a weight. Yeah. Like at all. Like you can just really focus on becoming stronger and nourishing your body in a healthier way. And the outcome will blow your mind. But if like Lauren was stepping on the scale during that time, expecting herself to be 10 pounds lighter, it's like she wouldn't have appreciated her results because she'd be like, well, crap, the scale is saying that. Cause like I had said that where it's like, I felt so long that because my body was at a heavier weight that it meant a heavier body fat percentage, but it like, there's not that correlation. Like, because in this is like for the ladies who listen and freak out about like a two pound fluctuation from one morning to the next, there is no way that you gain two pounds of fat in, in a week or in a day, unless you went ham at like a all you can eat buffet for seven days a week, the likeliness of you gaining two pounds of fat in a week is almost is not I'm not gonna say it's not impossible, but for the ladies that I work with, it's not possible that that's two pounds of fat gained, right? right. So just knowing that tying your bounce back or your body to a, a number on the scale, doesn't have to be relevant at all. I even think about like, don't compare your now after having a baby to your pre-baby self, right? I mean, we, that's what we're told. Like you're supposed to bounce back. You're supposed to look like what you did when you first had a baby before you had a baby. And it's like, I, every, my body physically changed. My hips got wider. My belly got bigger. My organs moved. My boobs got big like everything. And now we're expected to have this baby and bounce right back to what we look like before we had this baby. And I think for me, when I was able to recognize, like my body doesn't have to look like what it looked like before I had Grayson, I started to be able to enjoy that journey a lot more because I wasn't so focused on, I have to get back to that weight. I have to get back to looking like what I looked like before. I have to get back to even being the fittest. I have to get back to looking the fittest I was after I had Grayson right now. Like I could compare that too. And 
my body is different. Like I, I really feel like my hips are probably even wider now than they were like when I was at my fittest, just because I had another baby and just being able to give yourself grace in that, that area that you are exactly where you're meant to be right now. And your body did an amazing thing is doing an amazing thing. And that is perfect. Right. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening today. This was an awesome episode and we will be on again. I got a couple other ideas for episodes as we were talking. And if you guys continue to love kind of this friends chit chat, the funny thing was, is I asked on Instagram, what kind of episode you guys would like to hear from us. And you said a Q&A, but then nobody asked a question. So if you do have any questions that you would like to ask Lauren and or I, um, even as you guys get to know us more and more, you can slide into our Instagram DMs. Tell us what you think or what um, question you would like us to answer. We will make note of it and bring it to the podcast. So thanks so much, guys, for listening this week. And thank you for joining me again. You're welcome. My pleasure.